Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, I'm depressed alcoholic comedian James Norquise. A couple of years ago, I had a mental health breakdown which resulted in panic attacks on international flights, stepping in front of an oncoming bus, and eventually showering so long that I began to get a little bit hungry. And that's when I discovered something magnificent. Through the magic of takeaways and running water, it turns out my mental health safe space is eating fried chicken in the shower. And that's how we've ended up here, a mental health podcast on headspace and happiness. This episode, I'll be chatting to comedian Joe Damon. We'll be talking about being overseas. Like, imagine, like, Maldives, Fijians, and India, and yeah. Malaysia. Oh, that's crack up, eh? <laughs> Being a professional comedian. I'm not going to compromise for anybody who I am, and if it means I miss out on shit, then so be it. And being the one. Are you Neo? <laughs> like, Neo from the Matrix or yeah. Neo independent woman? <laughs> <laughs> Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects... So make sure that you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us, Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower. Hi, and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower with me, James Nokise. Today, I am joined by Joe Damon. <laughs> I was going right. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Sorry, bro. Um, no, com- uh, comedian. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it, but... Yeah, literally nothing else. Over yeah. the place. All over the place doing comedy. But not in a good way, like... The all over the, like, <laughs> the all over the place, like, when your mum hits you up, like, mate, you're all over the place. You're all over the place. That's what I am. Focus. Yeah. Focus. Hey. So, <laughs> you're doing... Because we met in stand-up. But you'd already been doing stuff uh, in YouTube. You're very big on New Zealand social media. Uh, yeah. What else have you been doing? Um, yeah, what well, was funny, the first time we met, we were literally just talking about it, was yeah. that, that dank. That yeah. might have been 2018? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. Still, my mum still has the poster. Because oh, it was uh, the yeah. first time she'd seen a poster with my name on it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, mum. <laughs> but yeah, that was, bro, that was 2018, 20, yeah. So a few years now. That was the first time we met. I still remember. I think you were headlining. Oh, was I? Oh, yeah. It's just another day. Just, just another, another day. day. Yeah. <laughs> That's just an open mic for Jimmy. <laughs> but yeah, bro, it's, cra- it's crazy to sort of be here after. Because I, I remember I would see you around mm. and just kind of be like a little bit in awe because I mean as you and I both know like stand-up's still pretty what these, yeah. This, these, yeah, oh, these totally. days I mean that's why I learned three years ago yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, why I, that's why I remember you bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, another yeah, South, another. South, come yeah. come my Pacific oh you're yeah. not Samoan that's okay you are an honorary Samoan <laughs> I am now if there's a gig <laughs> yeah, there's a gig <laughs> uh, Talofa Talofa Judith but you were uh, we also it turned out came from um, down near the same place yeah because uh, yeah. uh, I grew up in Wellington and uh, Newtown, Lower Hutt, and you grew up. Yeah, Lower Hutt, Wanui, Wanui, Mata, and Lower Hutt. And I think that was the crazy thing when I first started stand up. I started seeing like how many 
like really good comedians, you know, were kind of from the yeah. Hur- Hurricanes region. Yeah, yeah, right. Because uh, Jermaine is from like, is Jermaine from Clement? Jermaine Clement's done down there, yeah. Yeah, uh, Corey. That's why he's friends with Raybon Khan, Corey Ray Zazman bon here, um, uh, Ben Hurley, Steve yeah. Wrigley, Jam Marie. Listen to all those names. Di Henwood. I forget Di Henwood. Yeah, man, because his old man was like a Wellington theatre legend. Really? Yeah, Ray Henwood, man. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah which yeah. you don't necessarily put together. Yeah, yeah. Ah. yeah, so there's all those cats. And that's just some. That's yeah. just some of them, man. There, there's a whole heap of them. Like, I think the reason that I put it down to is like, people think Auckland's diverse. Hmm. But Wellies is really diverse in the sense that Auckland still has like a lot of separation and sort of segregation amongst yeah, the communities, yeah. whereas Wellies were all on top of each other. Totally. A friend of mine right. described it as Auckland is a collection of villages of different cultures. Yeah, yeah. So it presents as multicultural, but it's actually a collection of yeah, different right. cultures and villages. Yeah. Whereas Wellington, I think just because of population size, it's just all smashed together. We're all together, yeah, we're yeah. all together. And, like, we, yeah, we all go to school with each other. There's yeah. no real, like, even... Because in Auckland, you kind of have, like, the, the King's Colleges, the St. King's, mm. like, all them. I went to probably the equivalent of those schools, and it was still pretty mixed. Yeah? Like, Which one were you at? I went to Scots. Are you at Scots? Oh, right. Yes, yes, I was a, I was an SC boy. But here's the thing about Scots that our listeners won't know, is that, yep, Scots is Flash, Presbyterian yeah. school. Presbyterian, yeah. Yeah, because uh, my dad uh, almost got me a scholarship uh, in there, and then... You're um, joking. But then, like, they didn't teach Samoan, and apparently needed my dad. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my mom and my stepmom were like, yo, you got to go to a school where they'll teach you some Samoan. Oh, really? Yeah, because where did you go? St. Bernard's, which is oh, the my. opposite of Scots. <laughs> St. Bernard's. The dog pound. <laughs> I, I remember all my mates, because I went to Intermediate, yeah, one of yeah. all my mates going to St. Bernard's yeah, and, yeah. and being gutted that I had to go to Scots. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah. But then you, like, got an education and we're like... <laughs> Did really well. And <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you're doing decently for someone oh, who went to Scots. This was the crazy... Like, right. the hardest thing that... I mean, this is so... It's such, like, a first world problems thing to I feel, talk about. Mm. But, like, the hardest thing about Scots was... But you're surrounded by dudes that are like the best and mm. just their different fields. Like, yeah. you know, Stephen Adams was there. We've yeah. got a we've got a kid, Lewis Clayburgh, who's about to go to the Olympics for swimming. Yeah. We like had just all all types and like any any field that anybody was in, it wasn't like they just like kinda just played like mm. rugby on the weekends. They yeah. were playing for like yeah. NZ schools and stuff like that. So it was a pretty high pressure, super competitive environment. Where St. Bernard's had me. <laughs> and just you in the whole school. Just so me, it was like, <laughs> no, they had, we had Alex Talia, who played for uh, Mono Samoa in the 90s. Yeah. Had Isaac Luke, who played for the Warriors. He went to St. Bernard's. Went to St. Bernard's. True. Uh, and we had um, Aaron from New Zealand Young Entertainers. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then a bunch of Queensgate workers, a bunch of Queensgate um. workers, but really good Queensgate. Shout workers. out Queensgate! Shout out to Queensgate. Also, Bunnings Lower Hut represent. <laughs> um, I love St. Bernard's. So, like, I grew up overseas mm. as well. So, the environment at Scots wasn't different in the sense that, like, I think what I found hard wasn't so much like being different, but I think the the pressure. Especially being a brown, mm. a brown dude in an environment like that, I think that was really, really difficult. Mm. Um, especially because, yeah, when you're at a place like Scots and you're brown, mm. like, what do you think they're all looking at you as? This, oh, this guy like, must carve it rugby. Yeah, absolutely. And, First five. And when you're walking around with that, knowing people think that of you, yeah. and the only sport you're good at is hockey. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> there's um there's not a lot of places to hide. But yeah, it is um it, it was one of those things and it was something that like my my mum would, would talk to us about that yeah because you are like young and brown and going into these environments a lot more is going to be expected of you. Mm. Um but I think yeah, it's just one of those things where you either kind of succumb to the pressure or you meet it. Mm. And I think I definitely met it, but it definitely made my high school experience really tough. Mm. Um, but um, but I enjoyed just pretending um, to everybody that like my parents were real rich because that was crack up. So yeah. when kids would make fun of me at the bus stop, I'd be like, "My dad, your dad works for my dad, so I'm, I'm going to tell him to. <laughs> I'm going to tell him to get rid of your dad." Which, it's just you got to meet ruthlessness with ruthlessness. Oh, right, hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. it's dog eat dog. Yeah, I know it sounds harsh to some of our listeners, but trust me, like those high school. Pacific Island high school confrontations. Yeah. There's, you know, no retreat, no surrender. That makes a man. That yeah. makes a man. <laughs> it's dog eat dog. Yeah. And I'll tell everyone, my dad owns both dogs. <laughs> Speaking of eating, um, what chicken have you got? See where like professional. Uh, what chicken have we got, my bro? Um, so I went with uh, a bit of Korean barbecue. Ooh, yeah. Um, there's no, like, there was no real particular reason. I would like yeah. to say... It was in relation to my uh, my time growing up in Asia, but it actually isn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, when we were living there, I was just eating macas and stuff. <laughs> this is good chicken, by the way. I asked for the chicken. Ate the chips first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll try the chips. I'll try that. Mmm, let's go. Solid French fries. Right, Solid. Right, right, this but, is good. But you come for the chicken. Mmm, this is really good. Nice and sweet. I'm thinking about it though, like you're, because you're mixed race like me, mm. and is it is it Maori Fijian? Mm. Is that right? Yeah. So Maori Fijian Kiwi in Malaysia. Yeah, bro. That's quite the melting pot. Wild, bro. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. So we lived in Malaysia for two years, India for another two. Oh wow. Three maybe years. Something like that. Um, Parents work. Yeah, bro. Yeah, my dad was working over there. And so the only reason we moved back was because my dad got real sick. Right. And he, um, because he still, he still kind of has problems with his heart, but he had a massive heart attack over there. Right. And so, um, and so, yeah, after that, like, he, he got in a real bad state. And so mm. I came back to New Zealand with my auntie. Mm. And then I'm probably, like, forgetting a lot, but... Pretty much how I remember it is I came back to New Zealand with my aunt while my dad was sick. Mm. And then they moved back as well and then we just like, never went back. Right. Yeah. And um and I'm actually writing um I'm actually like writing about it at, at the moment, kind of mm. just uh like our whole journey. Mm. So like imagine like Maldi Fijians in India and yeah. Malaysia. Oh that's crack up. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. It's like was there was there much of a like Forget Māori, Fijian, just like New Zealand, like Pacific community. There, there, there randomly was a um, really good like community there of Kiwis. Mm. We weren't heaps, but the few that were there, I'm still really close to to this day, and right. I consider them all like my uncles and aunties. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they they really supported us while my dad was sick, um, which was mean. 
But yeah, other than that, but it's mostly like British Americans. <laughs> yes, just yeah. colonizers. Just a typical, yeah. <laughs> typical colonizers. <laughs> We're riding amongst them, <laughs> just doing our bit. Yeah. Do they do they ever like look at you and just like, can you just go get me? Like, oh no, I I, I live here. Oh no no um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to brush off on my British accent. Just cause <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh no, I'm one of you. I'm, I'm, one, of, I'm one of you. I you're in my house. I'm here. I, I'm here culturally appropriating yeah. this. Just someone comes to my place as well. So <laughs> don't don't, um, don't come to me. Yeah. What's that like to be like? Because you're, I guess you're a kid. So are you, are you aware of that kind of stuff? I think this is actually something I talk about quite often. Mm. It became quite normal, like the whole cult- culture, pretty quickly. Mm. What was then weird was coming back to New Zealand and yeah, seeing right. how different that was. Mm. Um, in particular, yeah. Do you have an accent? Like when you came oh, back, the worst. It was the yeah. worst accent. It was an American. It was a British American accent. I mean, that's not that bad, actually. But it was just, like, so confused. Mm. And so I would just get... The funny thing is, bro, and this is, like, 2007 or 2008. Mm. This is classic. There's not, you know, there's obviously internet, like, takes three hours to load, so no mm. one's really hanging out on that. Yeah. Um, so everybody, when they see a dark kid with an accent that isn't New Zealand, mm. immediately think African. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're African. <laughs> Eating fried chicken in the shower. It's intercontinental. Is that weird to be like tongue of the and mistaken for African? Yeah, bro. Like, honestly, I shit you not, I probably didn't really start to consider myself. Like, it was this bad to a point where I remember I would sign like surveys or, or whatever, but mm. I had to like, you know, you do like your date of birth and, mm. and gender and all that. And when it would ask what nationality it was, but yeah. I would put NZ European. Wow. Yeah. Because I was so like, I didn't have, it's random, mate. It's yeah. random to think of because I, I didn't have any association to my Māori or Fijian side mm. because I, I would go to my Māori side and they'd be like, no, you're way too black, bro. <laughs> <laughs> African. Mm. Like, I still get it to this day. And like, yeah. it's obviously just, it's all part of it. And then on my Fijian side, mm-hmm. they'd be like, are you sure you're Fijian? I listen to how you talk. And like yeah, my cousins right. to this day still, every time they talk about me back in the day, mm. they talk with like this really high, preppy, like British accent. <laughs> and then so like the only place where I sort of felt like I fit in mm. was like amongst white people. Mm. Because um, I guess we just bonded over the fact that none of us were brown. <laughs> Not me thinking myself <laughs> I was like looking at them like, yeah, no, nah, none of us are brown, eh? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so it was a weird, yeah. But it was a really weird identity crisis that I probably, I probably honestly had until I was maybe 18, mm. 19, till quite old. Which, if you're going back to it, if you're a brown kid at Scots and you're having that kind of identity crisis yeah. as well, that must have made things, uh, I want to say, uncomfortable no, in, your, in your teenage years? Yeah, it was. Like, I'd, you know, I'd get asked to do. Like, I remember the big breakthrough for me was my mum forced me to go to Somme's Island, which, mm. for anybody listening, is a small island in the yeah. middle of Wellington Harbour. And she forced me to go um, learn Taiha with my brothers. Right. And that was, like, the first time I've ever, I'd ever properly been immersed mm. in my culture. And that was, yeah, year 13. So I was about 17, 18. Um, and that was, like, the first time where I felt comfortable to, like, explore that side of me because... Mm. Because I was with all my cousins and stuff, I was just kind of accepted. Whereas before then, like going onto, you know, like onto a marae or mm. being a part of a haka, I'd always like kind of get looks yeah. and stuff. Because they'd be like, "Who's this like? Who's this black kid?" Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I had, I had the same thing, just on the opposite side of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This is white kids. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but I know, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I've had a massive identity crisis. Mm-hmm. I think for a large like portion of my life, in different ways, and for yeah, for when I was younger, it was my accent, and then it's been sort of like what culture I identify as, and mm-hmm. I think at certain stages it was like how I looked. Like part of the reason I still like people notice I always wear a hat. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason for that is like when I was growing up, mm. I had like really bushy, like a really bushy afro quite often. Full of vanaka Fijian here. Yeah, vanaka 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 But people just come up and just like grab my head or like just grab my hair and yeah. Oh, it feels like a sheep, like all that kind of oh shit. Oh my and god, I fucking like hated it. Yeah, hated it. Yeah. And, um, so I got that heart out like when when we came back, um, and so yeah, it's kind of why like. I think I still have like a little bit of a thing with my hair. I keep it real short. Did you um, don't like showing it off? I mean, you're not alone in this experience. Yeah, yeah. Like, which which resonates with just people of color across heaps mm. of different cultures. But when you first heard Solange <laughs> saying, <laughs> "Don't touch my hair," yeah. that first bar comes out. We were just like, <laughs> Pretty much. Bro, this, this is the cra- Like, this is the funniest thing that I think like a lot of people really like won't understand when it comes to I think just being a minority in general. Mm. I think they think mm. that we all know that we all go through the same thing, but literally it's like yeah. it, it's kind of like when you first get acne, yeah, and you're so embarrassed, even though you can like see everybody else has yeah, it, yeah. you feel like it's something that only you're experiencing. Totally. So imagine like turning that into like a and you know the same the same instance when you know you're experiencing things of racism you're not thinking in your head oh i'm safe because i'm sure everybody else understands <laughs> you're thinking holy fuck i must be the only yeah. motherfucker here with with skin like as black as mine that they're making yeah. fun of with hair as bushy as mine that they're saying is like a sheep like yeah. that's what it really feels like and i think like what people don't understand about racism who haven't necessarily gone through that particular kind of bigotry is it it strips your identity mm. and it's a, and that's the attack that it does is that it attacks your very core mm. of your identity and i think what people don't realize about being mixed race is that if you are then i think i feel like mixed race people this is a generalization but it's a generalization based on interactions with other mixed race people mm. we get our more solidified sense of identity a bit later. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. So when you're experiencing racism in like, right from your mid-20s, yeah. like even to your 30s, and you haven't got a fully solid yeah. sense of identity. Yeah. And this might be true for other people as well. I'm just basing this on my own experience and what I've heard from other people. Like, you know, what, what, are you, what do you do? To, when in those moments when, you're, when your own identity is, is in question to yourself mm. and then someone's attacking it. Well, this is literally something that has only come to me like in the last few months because it, like, it became more prominent as I got older and especially now, it's funny that now like the progression around the acceptance of culture has almost had like an opposite effect in some ways because mm. now that people know, now that people are learning to or now that people are learning about tikanga and stuff, People that are adopting it are almost using it as a measure of, yeah, of right. how much mm. you know. How much do you know about your? How yeah, much do yeah, you know yeah. about your culture? You know how worthy of you of mm. calling yourself a Maori? Yeah, like, bro, right. I, I was at this gig right. once. <clears throat> I was at this gig, and this um, and I'm not going to assume like 
what culture she was, because then I'm like just as bad. But the strip was real white, <laughs> and she um, and she started speaking Tareel to me like on stage, like heckling, because mm. um, I because I just mentioned that I was Maori, and then she started like heckling at Tareel, and then I was like, oh, sorry, I don't I don't actually speak, I don't know a whole lot, and she kept going. Mm. And she could tell that I was like feeling embarrassed that I didn't mm. really know. And she could tell that she like got me. And I was just kind of like standing there like, well, what are you getting out of mm. like doing this? And um, and that was like a small instance of where I felt like, yeah, my authenticity is like being challenged because mm. I like am not what you view, mm. whatever in your head is authentic. Mm. And it's something that I've had throughout my whole life. Mm. Um, in different in different ways, so I think it was like what she was doing was actually so small. I think nobody else would have noticed, mm. but I think for me, it like really brought back a lot a lot of instances in my life where I felt that way. And so for me, what's really come to me now is like I think I owe it to like myself, and I owe it to anybody else that feels in the same position as me to be as true to myself as possible, which includes you know which includes how close I am to my cultures because I didn't have the luxury of being as immersed in them mm. as, you know, some other people were as I was growing up because we were moving around and because mm. my parents also, you know, made their own decisions. And so I owe it to myself to be that because that's just what looking, that's just as much what looking like a Māori or looking like a Fijian mm. in this day and age looks like mm. as it is, you know, if I was to know everything about the culture and know mm. every part of my language. So... Um, I think the reason like I feel personally responsible for being that is so that others in a similar position to me see that no we're just as much we're we're allowed to mm. we're allowed to claim our, our cultures just because it doesn't look exactly like how it's being told we have to look like mm. who who has the right to tell us that's not who we are mm. because I've spent my whole life being told that that's not what I am and so I'm claiming it now and like regardless of whether I, I fit into what people see as being worthy of that like, mm. fucking doesn't <laughs> I don't give a fuck <laughs> that's, that's wisdom man yeah so it's, it's been a big journey to be honest bro and I definitely still find it find it hard mm. um, especially like just in basic scenarios like with you know like but even something small like I'll, I'll be at like a maybe a funeral maybe a birthday and someone will come up to me and be like bro you on for a haka? Can you do tiko tonu? And I'm like, fuck. I don't know the fucking words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just like small things like that. Yeah. It just kind of makes me like, fuck. I'm, uh, you know, there's, there's so much for me to learn. But mm. the other thing I have to remind myself is, um, you know, I'm no less of a Māori because I don't know that. Mm. But it, I also have the responsibility to learn if that's something I want to do. But mm. yeah doesn't make me any less of yeah. who I am. So my mum and dad both work in IT. Right. And um, my mum in particular... Like, Are your mum and dad spies? So they sound like it. Eh? They sound but like if you spies. saw them, you'd be like... <laughs> yeah, maybe... <laughs> maybe um, Do you remember they, maybe, they don't look like spies, but that's spy exactly the, what spies They maybe spy on the dinner table, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe spy on what's, um, what's in the oven. <laughs> nah, joke. Sorry, mum and dad. So shout out, mum and dad. You know I love you. Hey. You know I love you. Just a joke. <laughs> That's what I have to tell my dad every time. Oh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to get drunk for that. <laughs> but um, I was telling them how, like, my, for my mum in particular, like, she, yeah, moved from Fiji, um, like, at a young age. 
And so for her, like working in like a cor- in corporate IT, you know, in a in a world where they tell you have to wear suits and you have mm. to speak a certain way and mm. act a certain way, those environments very much strip you of, you know, like your like they strip anybody of like their authentic self, mm. let alone people that come from you know backgrounds like you and I, because mm. the like what you and I get to experience as part of our cultures in those environments is deemed like unprofessional yeah. and it's deemed like not you know not a part of like corporate culture yeah. and so it's like what I saw with mum was like she kind of had to strip every part of herself on that side of things in order to be accepted in that mm. in that world and she very much has she's done super super well for herself mm. but it's obviously come at a sacrifice of of not actually being allowed to be closer to who she really is. Mm. And so it's kind of the catch-22 of, like, what a lot of our people have to experience is, like, if you want to... They're being told if you want to make this step in this side of the world, if you want to take these opportunities, you're not allowed to be who you really are. Mm. So would you rather be who you really are and not be in there, or would you rather be in there and you have to remove that? And my parents chose to take that route and it allowed us to do amazing things. We got to travel, mm. we got to go to private school. Mm. Um, and uh, and I know for me, if I had to make the same decision, mm. I would make the same decision. Have you found yourself in those positions, working in the arts? 100%, yeah. I think early days, I think arts, we're, we're very lucky, in, especially now that it, the difference is becoming not only accepted but celebrated. Mm. But I think still, there's still a long way to go in that the the glamorous parts of like mm. our cultures is what's accepted, not the whole thing. And so, for me, I'm trying to be part of the you know the next wave and the the movement that allows our entire the, our cultures in our entirety to mm. be accepted. Because yeah, the parts that get funding are very much like <laughs> they're the ones that everyone loves. But when you get to the you, you know, to the to the less showcased and the the darker sides of it, mm. those are still very much like you're not allowed to talk about those, not allowed to do those. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's still very much like a back and forth. But I watched my I watched my mum in particular have to go through that, and I think for me, I just made a conscious effort of I'm not going to compromise. Mm. Um, for anybody who I am, and if it means I miss out on shit, then so be it. I think bitterness is a great enemy. Yeah. Like psychologically for for anyone mm. um, what are they in the arts um, and it sounds like you, you know, you're saying you've got a lot of bitterness mm. that comes in have you found a way on a personal level like are you still are you just walking around carrying it or have you found ways to disperse it or yeah. address it I, can't, I, I hate I hate saying that I do carry it but uh, yeah I think I really I really do like I, I've always yeah, and it's been something I've been like it since I was a kid, bro. Always a real bad grudge holder. It's always just like, <laughs> bro. I just remember everything, like, yeah. and and whilst that helps me because I can remember everything, mm. but it hurts me because I remember everything. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think still very much figuring out how to deal with it. But I think just being open with it has definitely been a start for me, and like not being ashamed because for a long time. I was ashamed that I was that way because I was like, man, just let it go. And I just was getting more frustrated at myself because I couldn't let things go. Mm. But I'm being open, yeah. But these days, just being open about it. Yeah. And um, and trying not to, yeah, 
be hard on myself for just feeling the way I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, what you're saying is absolutely something I'm trying to do, just like keeping perspective, reminding myself like what's important in my life. Mm. Bro, for four years, I didn't give a fuck about my personal life. I was just yeah. solely focused on yeah. comedy and trying to make a career mm. for myself. And then I've got to a point where like, I, in a sense, it's a career. Like, you know, mm. I, I, I make, you know, money from it to live on and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and it just didn't make me happy at all. Mm. It didn't have any any of the effects that I ever thought, ever dreamed of it having. So I think now, um, be, because I've gone because I've gone through that experience, knowing that things that I actively wanted didn't make me happy. Now I'm like, okay, what's really important in my life is it's my friends, it's my family. Mm. And because I've always been hopeless at like reaching out to friends and stuff and actively like trying to do that and really focusing on like my personal relationships, a lot of that's really been helping. Mm. Yeah, because both for yeah for four years I just did not give a fuck about anything else, and yeah, it, it helped me I guess because it kept me focused and it kept me hungry. But I definitely feel like yeah for four years I just didn't progress. Mm as a person mm. so I'm like I'm doing a lot of things now that, that yeah at 25 mm. I'm sure people are learning when they're like in their you know late teens early 20s but bro I didn't learn that until 30 something yeah eating fried chicken in the shower got a shower got some chicken take the next step Joe Damon uh, you are a social media star of New Zealand. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. You sold out Sky City two nights in a row based entirely off uh, your social media presence. Mm. What's it like being a, being a social media star of New Zealand? <laughs> how, does that, how does that affect your mental health? It's great away. Do you remember when we caught up before I went and did that? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, we went. Got, that's right. We got a coffee. Yeah. On um, on K Road. Yeah. Yeah. That was really nice, bro. I still still oh. really appreciate that. Thank you. No, bro. It was it was really fun to see you were you were buzzing so much. Uh, yeah. I think and, I was just like, because I've been trying to I've been kind of finding it hard to like find anyone to talk to about like how I even do. Mm. How even do the show? Because, bro, honestly, I was just like, I'm fucked. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and then when we talked about it, and you were literally just telling me, bro, just do it. Like, go hard. It was like, <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> it was so, simple but very effective. Yeah, I'm a great coach, mate. That's what I thought. You really are, bro. It was like, it was exactly what I needed. The game is simple. <laughs> just play the game. When I say Jim said go hard, Jimmy quite literally just said go hard. He's like, go do it. And I was like, uh-huh. I believed in your talent, mate. Don't you believe in your talent. <laughs> and it popped by uh, like massive success. Yeah, bro, it was, it was crazy. I think, um, yeah, in regards to like being a... Uh, it, it, it is really crazy, especially like the part that social media plays um, in New Zealand as well. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously it's the same in, in every other country, like sort of how big it is, but... For such a small place like New Zealand, mm. right? Once you kind of get the feeling that once something pops off, like somewhere in New Zealand, like kind of people mm. 
people start to, to hear about it everywhere else. Yeah. So it's, it's really funny like that. I think you sort of look at other like countries, you can imagine like things stay in their niche. Mm. You can still be very successful in your niche. Mm. But in New Zealand, it's very much like it goes from a niche, then mainstream. Like it's, there's, no real, there's no real, cross, there's no real like middle ground. Yeah. Once you get a certain, once you get a certain amount of followers, you actually have a small New Zealand town it, following. It's really funny like that. It's really funny like that. So, yeah, but it's, it's crazy. I think um, for me, like when I first started um, in 2017, I like actively made it um, part of my plan to. Because what, cause what I saw when I started in 2017 was like, and I still remember people would talk about it when I would go do um, like the Raw Nights mm-hmm. on Mondays. And people would talk about how like, you know, Jimmy Jackson and mm. like Johnny Tuivasa, they'd talk about all these guys and they'd, and they would talk about, I remember they would talk a lot about how Jimmy would like go on tour and stuff. Mm. But he wasn't a stand-up comedian, he was a social media mm. comedian. And so through through seeing kind of those pathways and then seeing the New Zealand comedians because, um, and this is like no disrespect to like any of the New Zealand, like any of like our peers, mm. but I would kind of see like what Jimmy had done in selling these huge theatres and then I'd see like some of my close mates who like I considered some of the best mm. stand-ups around. Yeah, you can look at me when you say that. You can look at me when you say this, 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 this. <laughs> I was literally just about to say this doesn't include you, but like in this context that you're no, about no, to hear, absolutely. But like, um, I'd see like some of our mates who were yeah. like amazing, and by like they'd put on shows, no one would turn up. Yeah, right. And so oh, from, that doesn't include me. Yeah, no, that's, that's not. see, like, oh, I got you, bro. I got you. It's not like gyms where five people would turn up. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. But but that was the thing is like I would see that. Um, I, th- I think like what really hit me was like, and this was back in 2017 hmm. when Lovegrove was like, yeah, he was still on. And so for me, I would watch Lovegrove and be like, this guy is one of the best comedians I've ever seen. Hmm. And he's performing to five people at Revelry on hmm. a Wednesday. Hmm. And so for me, in my head, I was just like, okay, I want to develop myself on the same pathway that all these great stand-up comedians are doing. Hmm. But I want to also take advantage of like the audiences that the social media people are, are mm. really building. So I spent like two, I was, yeah, it was about two years. I gave myself two years to be like, okay, I'm not gonna worry about social media in particular. Mm. I'll just focus on the stand-up. And then after I came back from Melbourne Comedy Festival and I saw the scale of like what everyone was doing there, mm. um, Laura included, mm. I was just like, okay, now's the time that I mm. really start. And then yeah, started to build my following and stuff and then that was like start of 2019, and then around, yeah, it was about a year later that it really started to pop off. Because I've been doing, I've been running like companies on social media since I was 15. Right. Yeah, so like I've, like I like grew up. Is that a Scots college fan? <laughs> <laughs> Is that random move? That's random move, bro. Yeah, yeah so um, shout out Scots, but. Um, Is that because your parents are both in IT and so? Yeah, bro, so I always grew up around computers. Like right, right. My, my dad made me, my dad made me get my um, like Microsoft certification when I was like nine. Had me watching all these videos and shit. So like, oh for real? I've been yeah. I learned how to touch type when I was like seven. Are you Neo? But I, I, 
Like Neo from the Matrix or yeah. Neo independent woman? <laughs> Maybe you, I feel like you could be the love child of both. I'll, I'll be going backwards going, <laughs> this is exactly the song I had. This is exactly the song I had. Dodging bullets going. <laughs> I, would stop. I, would, I would absolutely watch. I would absolutely watch a remake of the Matrix with the singer Neo playing Neo. Neo. <laughs> I know Kung Fu, but I also know how to dance. <laughs> just start, just stomping the bullets and then go. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have mad computer skills. Yeah, that's, right, that's something like that people probably don't know about me. But. Yeah, is it strange being in a professional space that is primarily used socially? Like, most people, they go on yeah. TikTok or they go on Twitter. Like, they go on Twitter, maybe catch their news, go yeah. on TikTok to just be entertained. Yeah. But you're going into that space thinking, all right, work. Yeah, it, 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 is, um, it, is really, it is really funny. And I think, like, a lot of... I think a lot of people probably get a little bit taken aback. Um, especially when... Cause, because I'm really open about, like, kind of how, how I use it. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've always been pretty open in that. Uh, one of my big plans to break into TV on New Zealand was mm. always going to be through social media. Mm. And so I think people at times can kind of feel a little bit jaded by that because they're just kind of like, oh, you sort of just use this as sort of a, mm. a step up. But um, but for me, it, it, how I see social media is mm. it, it, because I use it every single day, it's just sort of an extension of like who I am. And mm. people will say you should never treat social media that way, but like it's that it's that prominent in my life that like I just I just had to. And so, but in saying that, I just use it, you know, when it's required, and I don't use it when it's not. And so mm. people will see like online, I'll probably I can post every day for like a week if mm. I'm feeling like it, and I can not post something for like two months. Yeah, right. Because because it's a part of me. Mm. I just kind of do do it as I feel like. I don't feel any obligation to do or say anything on there. Eating fried chicken in the shower. We can't tell you which chicken to choose. We can only show you the way. How are you with sadness? <coughs> Damn, that's a good question. Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think about what the last thing I was sad about was. What was the last thing you were saying about? Um, to be honest, bro, uh, it's, I have depression, so mm. it's, I just wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I, like that. Uh, I, I wake up and I'm in the wrong country to my wife. So <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's what I get sad about in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good enough one. <laughs> it's, good enough. it's probably, uh, she listens to this, so it's probably the correct one as well. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Laura. Yeah. I love you, mate. But I think, um, yeah, I, I have never been clinically diagnosed, but it's something I've always been aware of myself that I'm probably, mm-hmm. yeah, very, um, that I, yeah, go through as well. I think how I am with sadness, um, it's funny, it kind of is an ongoing thing of like what I've been talking about. I think where I like would bury myself when it came to when I was feeling like that was into what I was trying to do was mm. into work I remember the the word like probably one of the worst emotional positions I've been in 
in my life was maybe like 2019, end of 2019. And uh, that was the year I was just doing quiz nights. Mm. And I was like, I was just like, I'm not fucking doing anything in my life. Mm. Like, what am I doing? Um, you know, going through all the motions of what you go through when you're feeling, feeling that way. And I was actually about to give stand up mm. up completely and just go try to find a real job. Um, and um, yeah, I was going to give up all four of my quiz nuts. Mm. Um, <laughs> the empire yeah, was coming. Yeah, I was, was going to cash in the millions. Um, <laughs> but um, how I dealt with it back then was um, just kind of, yeah, thought about my goals, thought about my career. And um, uh, I remember that in that particular moment, I just volunteered on a bunch of like short films mm. and um, regaining like my love for, cause film and television is where I've always wanted to be. Mm. So I think in regaining my love for that and finding my passion again, that's what broke me through. But now what I'm trying to evolve to is looking beyond just, you know, looking beyond just career and, and stuff like that. Because as I was saying before, you can keep like looking to the next thing and the next thing if that's what's going to make you happy, but mm. it's just a cycle that's mm. you know never going to end. Mm. <clears throat> and so now it's yeah, now it's just finding the things that like really really make me happy. Um, I think most recently, the thing that really helped me when I was feeling really down was just went back to Wellington, visited my my sister and my brother-in-law and my nephew, and mm. um, they're really good with me. Like they know. They know I'm usually having a tough time when I come home, mm. but they know that they're like the big solution mm. as well for me. Um, so yeah, like my sister, my sister Grace has been massive in that for me. Um, so I guess that's kind of how I deal with it at the moment. But it very much, I, I I do know that I do know of myself that what was career now and what is family now, it's still very much me kind of going to things to sort of like band-aid it up and forget a little bit and then in some ways try to pick myself up and keep going. What I'm still really bad at is addressing why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and really getting to the bottom of it. Um, I ask this of everyone who comes in here, bro. Uh, is there anything that you would like to share in the shower uh, before you go? Soap. So uh, yeah, yeah. I loved it. No. Um, oh, look, look what we have. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> what What do people usually say? Like, There's no wrong answer. It's yeah. literally like you can you can say nothing as well. Like right. it's it's literally this is my safe space. Mm. Weirdly enough, uh, chicken and a shower. And so I always ask people if there's anything while they're in my space that they'd like to share. Yeah, I feel like I've. Yeah, I feel like I've shared a, a lot that I don't usually talk about, which has been nice. Um, but no, I guess the big thing for me, um, bro, actually, you know what? I will say this, mm -hmm. and this came up, and I, ju I just thought about this after thinking about your question before about, uh, you know, representation in, in the industry and stuff. I think, yeah, I think I look at the impact that you kind of had on me unknowingly. I remember the first time I think I met you, and I think I said something to you about, like, um, Oh, bro, like, I've been looking up to you for, for so long. It's, like, so good to follow me. And I remember being starstruck. And so I think, I think for, for me, it's just as a, 
even though f for you it's probably just like being you were just doing your thing mm. I think your presence and you representing kind of a lot of how I viewed myself you representing that in the industry played such a massive part mm. on me especially as somebody who's trying to who's tried who's been learning and figuring out their identity in amongst my career you know mm. as, as I talked about before so just but just more as like a massive thank you for playing that part it's not something that I think it's something that I always kind of offhandedly reference whenever we talk <laughs> but I've never actually acknowledged it to you directly and so it's just as a massive thank you for that and nothing on top of that I know for me I hope to have the same impact on like the next generation because mm. bro I think I played it off a little bit smaller before mm. but it really did mean a lot when I would like see you on YouTube mm. and I was just like yeah okay <laughs> there is an islander that yeah. has made it in this yeah I can do it as well but like one you never have to say thank you to me for that bro that's that's you know because to me that's organic mm. in that when um Really, we're going to have the flushing of the toilets while I'm trying to make an emotional point. <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's, that's, the what that's the comedy guy's going, stop talking shit. Yeah. Stop yeah. talking yeah. shit. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> but you know, when art's coming up, um, people like Oscar yeah. and the Nakeds, yeah, if they yeah. saw me at an industry party, they'd come say hi. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, they tease me, but they come say hi. Oh, you know, um, and it leaves a lot on you. Yeah, yeah. and like Tofinger always yeah. kept me. Even Ete, yeah. you know, had some had some kind words. Um, Irene Pink, yeah, you know, and so any the comedian. Well, it's, it's funny that we those are big Pacific Island comedy names. Vela Manaseta. Yeah. It's that thing of whenever I've seen a younger, not mm. necessarily a less than experienced or anyone, I've seen a younger Pacific comedian. Mm. I've just tried to treat them the same way that the Pacific Islanders before me treated yeah. me in this industry. But and, it leaves, and it leaves a big, um, always leaves a big impression, always leaves, even mm. just the simplest things of, even just the most simple thing of like saying hello, acknowledging, mm. because it's like, here's somebody that I'm looking at as a representation of who I want to be, mm. and they see me. That's like, that's, but yeah. All I ask is when you get the BAFTA, <laughs> just remember that. Just be on stage, BBC, and just be like, and uh, James Nokisa, because um, shout, he, out Jimmy. shout out Jimmy. <laughs> told me, told me everything yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> big, big shout out to Jimmy. But yeah, but yeah, bro. I, I know I've always like kind of said it, yeah, offhandedly. But I think yeah, that was actually the first. I actually wanted to say that the start was yeah. That was a. Uh, was about time I said it like directly to you. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate it, brother. No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you coming today and you know. Yeah, of course, man. Talking, uh, talking shit as just be on your podcast. Yeah. Is that still, is that still going? <laughs> nah, I haven't recorded for ages, bro. But I, I actually, yeah, the plan was to actually go back to doing it. Oh well, um, I'll come return the favor sometime. Fuck, I'll hold you to that, brother. Sweet hold ass, my man. Sweet ass. Greasy, greasily shaking. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> Eddie Fried Chicken in the Shower is produced for RNZ by Charlie Blickley of Fruit and Nut Productions. The engineer is Ronnie Poet. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Watkins. You can find this podcast however you just found this podcast. Or if you're listening on the radio, go to RNZ's podcast page and look for the chicken. If you're rating podcasts and you want to rate ours, give us five stars. Remember, more stars, more chicken. If you want to share your comfort food and your mental health safe space with me, then you can tweet me on at James Nopisa. If you're experiencing mental health issues and you're in New Zealand, you can text 1737. 
or go to the RNZ Fried Chicken page and we'll have a list of different mental health practitioners that might be able to assist you. If because of the pandemic you're experiencing COVID-related mental health issues, you can go to www.health.govt.nz. Look for the COVID page and you'll be able to find mental health resources there. Stay safe. Matua. 